morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's Monday, July 3rd, 2023. I suppose it's a holiday, uh, or holiday weekend yet for some of you. Maybe you have today off, um, but we never take a day off from God's Word, so here we are. We're going to continue our catechesis through uh, Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 11 today, and uh, beginning of verse 20, so we'll be looking at that in a few moments. Of course, we have new um, things to uh, to confess and to sing and to memorize, all right? So we'll take the time to do that as well. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, our psalm for this week was the psalm from yesterday's Divine Service, or Trinity 4, Psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord fulfills his purpose for me, Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, I think it's worth our effort uh, today, actually, to hear meditation on the psalm, and then that will set the context for the rest of the week. This is my favorite resource, Christ in the Psalms. Uh, There's actually a great... A post on social media by Chad Bird of 1517, uh, where he talks about how to read the Psalms as confessing Christ. You can go check that out too. The word context is an expression most worthy of reflection. The word context. Though often used as a synonym for setting or situation, the word context implies a good deal more than the mere surroundings or atmosphere of some sub- object. Context obviously has to do with the text. To speak of something as having a context means, first of all, that the thing in question is being taken as a text, a piece of writing, as it were, something with a meaning to be discovered. That is to say, it implies that the object in question is being considered under the aspect of its intelligibility, of its significance. To speak of the context of something, then, is to say that something is being interpreted, it is being treated as a text. Context, in short, is an instrument of interpretation. The interpretation of anything involves, among other aspects, 
an investigation of how the thing fits in. Quote unquote. Psalm 138 may be regarded as a meditation on the context of prayer. It is a serene reflection on what it means to speak to God. In approaching this psalm, it is useful to keep ready at hand the question, what sorts of things are involved in prayer? Thus it begins, I will confess to you, O Lord, with all my heart, in the sight of the angels will I sing to you, for you have heard all the words of my mouth. What does it mean to pray? It is first of all a matter of the heart. The confession of prayer is interior. Especially in this modern age of subjectivity, it would be easy to interpret this truth as implying that one's prayer is being made with real feeling, quote unquote. Indeed, one may one meets many individuals who spend most of their prayer time attempting to feel the right sort of things. So that prayer becomes an exercise in the cultivation of proper sentiments. Or worse, one meets those who have actually stopped praying because their hearts are no longer in it, so that they do not feel sincere. Alas, it is common these days to identify sincerity with emotional spontaneity. The word heart in the biblical and traditional vocabulary of prayer bears no such meaning, that of sentimentality or sincerity. When we speak of prayer from the heart, we mean rather from the very core of ourselves, the center of decision and resolve, a region vastly deeper than our emotions. It is at that level that God speaks with to us. Truly, it is with a view to finding our hearts that we may fi- make the great efforts that prayer itself demands of us. So, when we begin to pray, we endeavor to involve, as best we can, our inner core of decision and resolve. To the extent that we can find them or know them at all, we turn our hearts to God. We confess Him. We do it briefly, otherwise the very effort becomes a distraction from prayer. From the context of our hearts, especially the placing of our minds within our hearts, we turn to God's context, that is to say, the holy angels, or as it's translated here, the gods. We place our hearts in his throne room in the sight of the angels, will I sing to you. Strictly speaking, there is no such thing as a private prayer in the Christian life. Our prayer to God is always sustained by angelic presence. Even so, was the prayer of Christ our Lord, Luke 22, 43-45. The next dimension of prayer's context is direction. Quote, Toward your holy temple shall I bow down, and your holy name will I confess, for you have magnified your holy name above all things. As all regular visitors to Holy Scripture know, the true temple of God is Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the definitive abiding place where mankind finds God. The goal of prayer, after all, is the union of God and man. So the proper foundation of prayer is the incarnation, in which God and man are joined definitively. It is this synthesis achieved by God which carries the name of Jesus Christ. That's uh, Hans Urs von Balsasar. The Christian religion knows nothing of prayer outside of Christology. This principle is likewise the meaning of the words that follow. Your holy name will I confess for you have magnified your holy name above all things. It is in God's magnification of the, whole, of the name of Jesus that all Christian prayer is safely placed. The fundamental confession that we make in our hearts is Jesus is Lord. The name and lordship of Jesus is the very substance of our prayer. When in a latter line our psalm speaks of the salvific stretching forth of God's hand, we do well to keep in mind that this is done only in the name of Jesus. See Acts 4 verse 30. All right, so an important context for us 
um, as we pray the psalm this week, is to remember um, that the context of the prayer is our heart, and of course, um, God's word, broadly speaking, um, the context of all prayer. Uh, Vicki says, I love this, not based on emotion, yes. Um, I've often heard this complaint, is that people say, well, you know, I just, um, the, the, the prayers of the church don't, they don't move me, I don't feel them, um, I don't get emotionally stirred up by all the various ways that the church prays, whether it's liturgy or hymnody um, or formal prayers. Right? We need more spontaneity and more emotion. And uh, the scripture does not say that we pray from our emotions. That's what uh, Father Reardon articulated there, and he's right. In the Bible, the heart is the seat of, um, of confession, of knowledge, uh, of, well, yes, knowledge and confession. Uh, whereas it, the gut, you might say, or the, the inward being is the source of emotion. And then the mind is of the intellect and of wisdom. Um, although it, it differs depending on which author you're talking to in the scriptures. All right. Now, of course, they're all authored by the Holy Spirit. Uh, but depending on their context, Greek or Jew um, or ancient um, Israel, you know, it's going to be quite different. So in any case, um, the heart is not principally about emotion. It's about knowledge um, and confession, faith, right? So we believe in our hearts means that we confess with our mouth, right? Those two things are always bound together in the New Testament. So when we pray, it doesn't so much matter whether we feel like it. Um, I've talked about prayer being a discipline, meaning we do it even when we don't want to or we don't even feel like it, right? When our heart, as we would use that term, isn't in it. (laughs) No, we pray, all right? So, um, uh, this online version of a congregation of prayer is meant to articulate that and to, to actually demonstrate how one would just say at nine o'clock every morning, this is what we do. All right. Um, there, of course, you could meet at a different time. You could do it in a different way. Um, but that discipline then um, allows you to hear God's word. And it is God, the Holy Spirit, who works um, the emotional response, right? The peace of conscience, the uh, the joy of the heart, these sorts of things. Those are a fruit of the word, right? But it's a, a fruit worked by the Holy Spirit, not by us. So it actually, you know, this is going to sound a little callous, but it doesn't actually matter whether you feel like it or not, <laughs> or whether your heart's, you know, as we use that word, is really into it. What matters um, is that God's word is on your on your heart, now here in the biblical sense, you know, the place of knowledge, and um, and on your lips in confession. That's what matters. Good. Our memory verse for the week is Romans chapter 12. You can hear the connection to yesterday's gospel text, hopefully. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Romans 12, verses 14 through 15. Rejoice, or excuse me, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Romans 12, verses 14 through 15. All right, and again to yesterday's gospel text and sermon, the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer is our catechism for the week, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What does this mean? We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them, but we ask that he would give them all to us by grace. For we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. So we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us.
All right, our first reading for today is from Isaiah chapter 28. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Also, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plummet. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled, and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overflowing scourge passes through, then you will be trampled down by it. As often as it goes out, it will take over, or take you. From morning by morning, it will pass over, and day by day, or excuse me, and by day and by night, it will be a terror just to understand the report. Mm. So we have uh, the weather being used here as a, I would suggest a metaphor um, for the kind of death and destruction that God brings to the old Adam um, by way of the rock, the cornerstone, the foundation, who is Jesus, right? who is in whom is alone is justice and righteousness, um, and which the house is built up in his justice and his righteousness, of course. Um, and also the annulment and the destruction of the, of the agreement of uh, mankind with death, with Sheol, right? With the place of the grave that was made in the garden and uh, has held until Christ. Right? Lovely poetry there from Isaiah. All right, and then our reading for catechesis is from Matthew 11, beginning in verse 20. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who were who are exalted into heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As I've suggested to uh, those of you who've attended uh, Bible study on Sundays, or may perhaps watch the video, the prophet Ezekiel is, serves as actually quite a bit of the context. The words of the, of the prophet. Uh, spoken by inspiration of the Spirit, serves as, I would say, context for the words of Jesus in the New Testament. In particular, here we're, we're hearing, um, I think, reference back to some of those oracles of judgment from Ezekiel, and uh, one of which, actually, we talked about yesterday. All right, here Jesus renounces whom and why. Yeah, it's the cities in which his mighty works have been done, right? And uh, the first two he mentions are Chorazin, Bethsaida, these are in Galilee, and then uh, also Capernaum, which is his home base of operation, right? And they've all rejected him, uh, having witnessed his mighty works. Mm -hmm. The first two, Chorazin and Bethsaida, are compared to Tyre and Sidon. 
We've talked about Tyre and Sidon before. Of course, uh, Jezebel is from uh, Sidon. Um, they're both, what do you want to say, epitome or um, examples of judgment, cities that were judged because of their unbelief. Right? So we heard the judgments of Ezekiel against Tyre and Sidon uh, a couple weeks ago. Right, um, You can see similar prophetic words of judgments um, by the prophet of the southern, well, of Judah after the conquest by Babylon. That would be Jeremiah. Jeremiah also, I think Jeremiah 47 prophesies against Tyre and Sidon. Right? Um, but what, what's striking here is if, if Tyre and Sidon had seen the mighty works that were done in Chorazin and Bethsaida, they would have repented. See, they needed Jesus. How about uh, Capernaum? Capernaum is compared to, ooh, this is vicious, Sodom, right? Remember Sodom was destroyed back in uh, Genesis 19 because it had rebelled completely against God the Creator, right? It rebelled against the created order that God had established. And here Capernaum is saying uh, would be, uh, their judgment's going to be even worse than Sodom. Right. So what is Jesus doing here? Right? He's still with them, and he's still going to perform mighty works there. This is a call to repentance. Right? Just like the, the prophet's word is not just impending doom and gloom, but it's actually, again, a call um, to repentance. To hear and to believe the words and the works that he had done among them. But of course, then, um, there is that threat of judgment. That rejecting his words of judgment would be even harsh. It would be even harsher for them than it was on the cities um, who never even knew him. Right. Um, this is why Jesus would say to someone like Judas, right? It would have been better for you if you had not have been born. This is something that we don't take seriously when it comes to uh, what we might call church discipline. Is that to have heard Jesus, to have received him, to have been baptized in his name, uh, to even have received his body and blood in the supper, and then to walk away uh, from Christ and from the church that Christ has called you, the judgment upon you is even worse than if you had never even heard of Christ in the first place. All right. What that exactly looks like, Jesus doesn't tell us, but here he metaphorically describes it as, you know, comparing to these cities that have been judged, Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom. All right. And then he prays, and the prayer here from Matthew sounds um, either a summary of, or it's greatly expanded in John's gospel, you know, in the upper room. But here it's earlier in the text. Fair enough, right? He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. All right, by wise and prudent, um, does he mean this literally, or does he mean it perhaps uh, more tongue-in-cheek? And I would suggest it's the latter. Right. Think of how Paul talks about wisdom um, and prudence in 1 Corinthians. I think we referenced this last week, right? We were talking about, if you want to understand what the New Testament teaches about wisdom, go look at 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, but listen to these words in particular. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, know God it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So you see what Paul does there? What, what the world calls wise is foolishness. What the world calls foolishness is wisdom before God. All right? So earthly wisdom and philosophy. To them, it has been hidden. Um, these things, right? This judgment. The might, words and mighty works of Jesus that reveal him as the Son of God. That isn't to say they don't see them or hear them. Certainly they can. But they don't receive, not receiving them in faith, 
they seem to be foolishness um, and impudence to them. Right? But who is it revealed to? In faith here, again, is the point. To the little children, right? The Kleinekinder, the babes. Kleinekinder. Um, and who reveals it to the little children? Those who have the gift of faith in the Son. It's revealed to them by the Father in heaven. Right? So what does this tell us about faith? Faith is a gift of God, right? If it's, it's for children. And all of us, of course, become children um, through the gift of faith, right? Having received the word of God and, uh, and, and not letting uh, the wisdom and the prudence of the world get in the way of just simply receiving what God has revealed. Right? Um, this is true, especially of the, of the mysteries of God, you want to say, right? The incarnation, the gift of forgiveness in Jesus, one man for the sins of the world, um, the reception of Jesus in, in water and in bread and wine. These things are mysteries and that they can't be teased out by earthly wisdom or knowledge or what seems prudent. Rather, they are received, um, as children receive gifts from their parents. Uh, they simply are, <laughs> right? Of course, children always ask questions. How can this be? And you say, the word's written here, right, in the case of the church. So this tells us something else about faith then, right? As we see in verse 27, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Meaning, faith is not a decision. Hmm. Faith is a gift of God. It's not an, an intellectual assent. Again, it's given. All right. all right. Then he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you Sabbath, is the, is the Hebrew word for rest. Here, New Testament. Uh, so it's Greek, but the Sabbath, give you Sabbath. So Sabbath isn't simply a day off, but Sabbath is rest. It's the key. To, and specifically, as Luther reminds us, to rest in the word of God, because it's the word of God that gives faith. You see how it's all tied together. So that with that context, there you go, a faith given by the word of God for rest, who are those who labor and are heavy laden? We talked about this yesterday. Those who bear the weight of their sin right, which they know by way of the word of law, right, those who bear the harsh burden of the law. So Jesus is talking about rest, and he's talking about rest for your souls, for your body and soul, for your conscience even, right? How does he give you rest? He puts upon you a different yoke, a different burden, right? Now notice there's still a yoke and a burden, right? A yoke is that uh, wooden bar that rests upon the neck uh, of draft animals so that they can work together while they're pulling along the burden. Uh, it's usually two, right? Two draft animals. So it could be uh, oxen or or uh, cattle or uh, horses, right? But here his yoke, Jesus says, is easy and his burden is light. Why? Because he, upon his shoulders, I think the cross, took the harsh burden of the law upon himself, right? And then he bears, as as a beast of burden, he bears away the curse of sin upon his own body uh, to free us from death, right? And what what does he place upon us? Forgiveness, life, and salvation, which is which is easy to bear. Right now, we are still, uh, as Luther reminds us in the bondage of the will, uh, we are dumb beasts, right? And we will be ridden. But are we going to be ridden by the law, by sin and death? Or are we going to be ridden um, by Christ and His forgiveness, life, and salvation? Better the second, right? As creatures of our Creator. Good. Jesus denounces the Jews who would not hear and believe Him, even though they had the Old Testament. Tyre and Sidon had been two great enemies of Israel and were denounced by the prophets of old. But Jesus says that they would have repented if they had seen his works. The example of Nineveh, 
would be a fitting comparison. Jonah 3 and Matthew 12. Jesus uses Sodom as an example, just as Isaiah in Isaiah 1 had compared Israel to Gomorrah in his prophecy. Jesus is condemning the lack of faith among the people of Israel. It is then that he reveals that faith is a gift which comes from the Father. The truth about Christ and his salvation is revealed to children, that is, to all who have been baptized into Christ. In baptism, we are brought to Christ and he gives us rest. Talk more about rest and Sabbath tomorrow because Jesus is going to reveal himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. Good. Speaking of gifts, we're going to sing our hymn, O God, My Faithful God, hymn 696. We'll hold up there. Uh, You'll notice the third stanza connects well with the sermon for yesterday. Um, Keep me from saying words that later need recalling guests. Guide me lest idle speech from my lips be falling. But when within my place, and that place yesterday we heard is the office. And I gave you some office holders, of course, um, civil government, um, fathers, pastors, teachers, right? These are offices to which God has called us. And within that office, he does give us occasion to speak. But even then... We are. Um, we we pray that he would give us uh, that he would give to our words grace that they not offend the weak, but actually that they be received um, rightly. Right. So this is true for pastors, certainly for parents to children, um, for teachers to children, um, even to civil government to others, that they speak in such a way um, that they not cause needless offense, but that they be received well. Okay. No uh, commemoration for today. 
Uh, tomorrow we'll uh, make some acknowledgement, of course, of the holiday. Uh, so let's continue with the collect for the week. O Lord, grant that your governance may be so peaceably ordered, uh, that may so peaceably order the course of this world, that your church may joyfully serve you in all godly quietness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray, Heavenly Father, forgive us our trespasses. Do not look upon our sins or deny any of our prayers because of them. We are neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor that we deserve them. But we ask that you would give them all to us by grace, for we daily sin much and surely deserve nothing but punishment. Grant us your forgiveness so that we too will sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray this day for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for all vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray in Thanksgiving with Graydon celebrating um, birthday yesterday. We pray for the households of our church, especially this week with Martin and Tara, Paul, Courtney, Doug, Jim and Deb, and Robert. We pray in Thanksgiving uh, for healing given to Barb. We pray for our catechumens. We pray for all those who have requested our prayers, who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Dale, Pam, Joe, Melanie, Kelsey, Christopher, Marcy, Brad, Gus, Eileen, Ron, Doug, Bev, Jim, Pat, Wendell, and Darlene. Pray for our homebound. We pray for um, all the missions and mercy work of our church and community, especially with the, for the work of Safe Harbor in Sheboygan. Continue to intercede on behalf of Dasha, that she find new housing. Continue to pray for Matt's mom, Donna. I can see um, in the chat that she is uh, in rehab, inpatient rehab, for many weeks. Pray that uh, God continue to give her healing and recovery. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That's our congregation of prayer for today, Monday, July 3rd, 2023. It's good to have you here with us, uh, even if you're watching or listening later in the day or some far distant future where the uh, robot overlords uh, ruling and yet let you um, still pray uh, to the true God. <laughs> Whatever the case or context might be for you, uh, you're welcome. Um, my pleasure to be with you all. So uh, we'll see you again in the morning at 9 a.m. Oh, and by the way, if you uh, weren't able to join us in person yesterday, the uh, sermon and Bible class um, and complete divine service are posted on the YouTube and as podcast, audio podcast. So you can go check that out as well. God be with you all. Keep you safe. And we'll see you again in the morning. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church, Sherman Center, 
in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today. <laughs>